Radio Season 2. Today's sermon is one of my own from Sunday, November 14th. Enjoy! By the power of your Son, come to our well, Hi there, table friends. This week we continue our series, Being Together Again, in Romans. Um, we are in chapter 15 this week, beginning at verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. Then again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Well, generally, I would say I like to be right. (laughs) I don't know if it's due to middle child syndrome or just being a woman in society, uh, but I often feel that people don't listen to me. People that I care about can ignore, mishear, or flat out refuse to listen to what I have to say. And even my own children ignore me at times. This is endlessly frustrating. And one of the hardest parts for me of being in Christian community is the fact that people I pray for, that I love and give advice to, may not listen to what I want. And this passage from Romans 15 challenges this feeling in me in two ways. First, it reminds me that it's not my opinion that convinces people of what is true and what is not true, but it is my praise of God, Paul says, and acceptance of others that points people to Jesus. And second, it's not about me. (laughs) It's all about Jesus. So looking at this text together, we see that several times, repeatedly, in fact, Paul says, rejoice. I will praise you among the Gentiles, verse 9. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people, verse 10. And in verse 11, again, praise the Lord. These are all excerpts from the Old Testament, where the people of God were extolled to praise the Lord in the midst of those who were unbelievers. Paul says here, it is our praise of God in the midst of those who are different from us, Gentiles in this context, along with our acceptance of them that is convincing and convicting when it comes to faith. The command to love your neighbor as yourself indicates that we are expected to accept one another completely. And yet, as Josh explained last week, Jews and Gentiles had many particular and serious differences when it came to eating and drinking and worshiping God together. 
These differences were legitimate divisions among them. But Paul and Jesus is compelling them to overcome these hurdles and to come together. So, perhaps the vegan might eat with the carnivore. The vegetarian might sit down with the person who hunted for their food. All of us can come together because faith in Jesus brings us unity. In verse 5 of chapter 15, Paul speaks of a spirit of unity among yourselves. Now, this phrase is often repeated throughout the New Testament, over 45 times, in fact. The absence of unity was a serious and reoccurring problem in the early church, and it is still a problem today. This very week, our own pastors here at the table will be attending an annual meeting for our denomination where we will have to vote to choose a new presiding bishop for our network. This is a difficult decision, particularly for those of us who care about female leadership in the church and seeing it continue in the years to come. Can we hold together for the sake of Christ? Can we accept one another, as Paul asks us to, and praise God together? A spirit of unity is still very much a going concern for the church today. Even as we gather in our neighborhood tables here in Victoria and our DNA groups, we ask ourselves, can we hold together in spite of our differences because of our love for Jesus? Now, acceptance and unity are difficult concepts. Unity sounds great, but do we achieve it at any cost? Is unity still valuable even at the price of forsaking my convictions about what is right and just and good? Do I accept other people despite of how I might disagree with them? Can we have difference and yet still have relationship? It is my experience in the church that when people disagree, we tend to just fade away from each other. <laughs> Avoidance. Having uncomfortable conversations is too hard for many of us to face. Just one look at the divorce rate will make that fact abundantly clear. We would rather avoid each other than stay together and work out our differences. A few of us couples at the table are making our way through the marriage alpha, alpha marriage course together, and each week, we are actually forced to have challenging conversations with our spouse and to intentionally discuss the things that we disagree about. This last week, we just covered the topic of conflict, and we discussed the millions of little ways that we can differ from one another. Some level of disagreement is normal in every relationship, whether friends, siblings, parents, spouses, and this is because we are all different from each other. And we are all selfish to greater and lesser degrees. Most of us find it easier to focus on our own desires, needs, and opinions than on those of others. And for some of us, when we encounter conflict, we think that the relationship must be over. This is because our surrounding culture perpetuates the message that if your relationship isn't perfect, if you have any disagreements, it must be the wrong relationship. However, difference is a part of our design. And it is how we resolve these differences amongst each other that really matters. I was speaking this 
week with a friend who's in the States, who's a part of our wider church network, and they were sharing that in their culture, American culture, um, they find that people actually embrace the challenge to spar and have differences and to argue and push boundaries. That is a welcome opportunity in that culture. And I assured them that in our Canadian context, it's quite different. Uh, we like peace. We want to agree with one another, and it's distinctive in our culture that we want to get along and have things be peaceful, <laughs> generally speaking. And as a woman in the church, I've often had to ask myself this question. How much do I need to have in common with someone else in order to be in fellowship with them? How much difference can I live with? And how much difference is too painful? One of the reasons I love and choose to stay at the table is because I know whatever differences of opinion I might have, Josh and Andy are ultimately my friends. They care about me, they care about my family, and they care about women in the church. With that foundational uh, relational foundation in place, we're then able to have differences of opinion from time to time with each other. Ultimately, we know that we care about the same things and we have more in common with each other than we have difference. But it's hard to say the same about everyone in our lives, isn't it? Our network of relationships is complex. And as we've discussed throughout this series, sometimes there is just too much difference for the relationship to continue to hold together. This past year and a half has put a glaring spotlight on that fact. We've seen in sharp contrast that as much as we like to think of ourselves as autonomous beings, uh, our collective welfare depends on each other. We need each other in order for us all to survive, literally speaking. So, how can we embrace the acceptance of others even in the midst of our differences? Well, Paul wants to point us to the example of Christ. This is verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Christ became a servant of the Jews, no less, who, though they were the people of God, actively opposed his own ministry. He became a servant of the people who rejected him so that the promises made to their foremothers and forefathers could be made complete. He became a servant so that the Gentile unbelievers, those who were considered unclean, might also believe and glorify God. Jesus chose to become the least, the last, and the lowest in order to serve those who might reject him. And he did this for the glory of God. Verse 7, accept one another just as Christ accepted you and welcomed you for the glory of God. When we love others, we offer them welcome and acceptance, and we bring glory and praise to God when we treat them in this way. When our action reflects God's action, we not only show that we belong to him, but we bring praise and honor to his name. So, we are called to receive, to accept, and to welcome. To draw into our space, even while respecting social distancing, of course, to make room for other people and to set a hospitable environment for others. 
At the beginning of this chapter in verse 1, Paul spoke of those who are weak and those who are strong. And he moves seamlessly from that discussion to the comparison of Jew and Gentile. Not saying which is weak and which is strong, but that the uncircumcised and the circumcised can't seem to get together. And ultimately, both of them are in need of God's mercy, and yet they cannot see that they have this common need. For Paul, the complex issues of religion, ethnicity, and cultural practice is all bound up together in this conflict. Deep, systemic, racial issues are impacting the unity of God's people. And it was hard for the church at that time to continue to be together because of their real and legitimate cultural, behavioral, and faith practices. There is legitimate differences between them and us that we cannot overcome on our own, and we need God's help to do so. To consider this, we need to consider how has God traversed the differences between us and him? Well, he humbled himself. He became as a servant. He subjected himself to torture and death, all so that we could be welcomed to him. We are invited to serve each other in the same way so that we too can embrace one another and give glory to God. Verse 6, that together you may with one voice glorify God. Paul is saying that our horizontal relationships with one another need to honor the vertical relationship we have with God. Because we love God, we need to also accept and love one another. Are there limits of such unity? Possibly. That's something for us to test out in our relationships. That is something we need to discern prayerfully. How much difference can we withstand amongst one another? But ultimately, God is asking us to accept, welcome, and receive each other just as he receives us so that together we may glorify him. And we need help to do this well. Jesus' actions can motivate us to love and accept each other, and to do so, we remember and celebrate his own example. So what did Jesus do? Well, first he came to sacrifice for the sake of others. Jesus was the climax of 2,000 years of God's engagement with his people, and God continued to pursue the people that he loved. He did not give up on them, and he has not given up on us. Jesus came to serve. He comes as a servant, humbling himself. And this is a difficult one for us to follow, I think, to literally humble ourselves for the sake of others, to be the first one to come in humility and to apologize, to initiate reconciliation amongst each other. That's challenging. Third, Jesus came to bring salvation. Um, in coming to the Jews, Jesus confirmed the promises of God given to their ancestors. He was faithful to them, even though they were unfaithful. And his faithfulness helps us to be faithful as well. Jesus came to establish truth. He confirmed that what God had said in the past was true. And he came to vindicate the truth of God for all to see, to show God's truthfulness. 
Can we be arbiters of the truth? Can we speak the truth to each other in love? Can we facilitate truth in our relationships? Jesus came to show mercy. The Gentiles, even though they were once outside of God's people, have now been brought in, and they have been given equal status in God's kingdom. So can we resist the temptation to show favoritism amongst the people that are most like us, that might be easier to accept, and those that are more different? Can we be impartial in loving other people? And finally, Jesus came to bring inclusion to make it possible for all people everywhere to be grafted into the line of Abraham so we could all become heirs, inheritors, and receivers of God's promise. This is the work Jesus has done, and this is the example that he sets for us. And so being receivers of such love, forgiveness, and acceptance, can this help us to be generous with those around us? Can his work inspire us to do as he did and to love as he loved? Historically, the Jewish people were the offspring to whom the promises of God were first made, and Jesus honored those promises centuries later. But more than that, he came to enlarge them, to include everyone, Gentile and Jew, weak and strong. And just as we finish, I want to turn to what is perhaps my favorite section in the Bible, Galatians chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 26 to 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the gift of unity Jesus fought to give us. This is the unity he sacrificed himself for. And because of Christ and his work, we can all be one. This is what God dreamed could be possible for us. And when we are in Christ, we have more in common with each other than we have difference. And our acceptance of one another and our praise of God is our collective proof that God is real, that his promises are true. May we welcome each other as Christ has welcomed us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we come to you in a turbulent time when much threatens to separate and divide us. Holy Spirit, would you inspire us to accept and love one another? Would you help us to see past our differences, to be willing to address the conflict among us so that we might be one? And as you led the way in your sacrifice, your giving over of yourself, your humility, your mercy, help us to have those attributes as well. That for the sake of your glory, we would give of ourselves to others. Father, would you be with us? Would you help make us one? And may we glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Savior to all Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church 
community in Victoria, BC. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. strength and grace he comes to